This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I'm so pleased and proud to say... Jamie Spears is no longer a conservator. <laughs> Jamie Spears has been suspended and he will be formally removed shortly. <laughs> Jamie Spears and others are going to face even more serious ramifications. <laughs> for his misconduct. I said at the outset that my firm and I were going to take a top to bottom look at what Jamie Spears and his representatives have done here. That's already in process and it will continue for as long as it can possibly do that to get justice for Brittany. Hey, lovely listeners, and welcome back to The Intelligence Cell and to Crime Analyst. And oh my goodness, the whole world has been waiting for the next court hearing in Britney Spears' case. And what a day it's been. Victory, finally. So that was Matthew Rosengart, Britney's attorney that you just heard. A hero now to many. Now, he's been Britney's lawyer for around 70-odd days. And whoa, what a result at court. Now, I'd imagine that Brittany has been thinking about this day for 13 long years. And as you know, I've been following the case. So please listen to my previous episodes. I really think this is an important one for all women and all men. And I'm really happy to welcome back former Los Angeles prosecutor and legal analyst, Lonnie Coombs, who was at court pretty much all day. And so without further ado, here's my interview with the awesome Lonnie Coombs. Hi, Lonnie. It's great to have you back on Crime Analyst. I hugely appreciate you jumping back in to talk with me. I know you've had a long day and a flight from New York again. So let's just dive right into Britney Spears. What happened at court? September the 29th. We've all been waiting for this. So talk me through it, literally play by play. I, I want to know everything of what happened. Okay. So uh, I got there at the courthouse. This is the Stanley Moss Courthouse downtown Los Angeles about noontime. And there were already the whole row of media outlets set up, ready to go. Everyone was anticipating something big was going to happen today because everybody at some point or another, both sides had petitioned to or asked, talked about terminating the conservatorship. And then we also know that Matthew Rosengart wanted to 
suspend Jamie as conservator. And those are two different things. I think sometimes they get confused, but one, according to Matthew, the first thing Britain wanted to do was get rid of Jamie as the conservator and then deal with terminating the conservatorship. And as we all know, Jamie, who has been fighting tooth and nail for the last 13 years to stay on as the conservator and to stay, keep the conservatorship going, has had to sort of um, bob and weave ever since Matthew Rosen got on the scene because um, he's been pushing him and pushing his buttons. And so at first, when he was calling Jamie out to step down as conservator and asked him to do it voluntarily and, and every which way he could, at first, Jamie said, you know, no, and I, and I don't like all the accusations from Brittany and the court should investigate those. And then he stepped back again when Matthew kept pushing and he said, okay, well, I will step down when there is an orderly transition. And everybody in the media heard the I will step down and we're announcing he stepped down. I was like, no, 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 he hasn't stepped down. He's essentially saying, I'm not going to keep fighting Brittany, but I still want to be in charge. I'm still holding on to this thing. In his head, he still runs this whole conservatorship when really it's the court that's supposed to run the conservatorship, right? So then um, Matthew again told him to step down, said, this is great. This is a concession, but you know there doesn't need to be an orderly transition. In fact, what you're doing, what you're saying needs to still be done is disperse $2 million more million of Britney's, which I'm calling extortion at this point, because you're right. essentially holding her hostage here you're saying okay give me this two million more dollars and then i'll step down and she's not going to put up with that and then apparently matthew has also been pushing um, jamie's buttons because he's been asking for discovery and he's also been saying i want to sit down with you in a sworn deposition and those things apparently at least this is matthew's um guess turned uh jamie and that's where we got that 180 and everybody got whiplash well all of a sudden he then uh, filed with the court a petition to terminate the whole conservatorship, right? So he doesn't want to step down, but he wants to end the conservatorship. And Matthew said today, that's because he there's some things that will happen if he either steps down versus when it's terminated. Okay, so let's get into that. So at noontime, there was some, probably about 50 of the Free Britney people there, but they'd actually shut down the whole street. This is a main street in downtown Los Angeles and shut down the street in front of the courthouse so that the free Britney people would have room to move. And as time went on, there was a, they had set up for a concert and a, and a big, you know, they had mics and people were talking and giving press conferences. And then the people that were trying to get in the courtroom went into the courthouse. And what they had done is for media people, they had sent out an email and you had to sign up ahead of time and get a, a badge essentially. And then they saved 11 seats for the public and the public, it was first come first serve and people were there at seven in the morning trying to get those coveted 11 seats. So by 1.30, they went 1.15, they started letting the people in the press with their badges and they had assigned seats and then the um, public and only uh, for each news outlet, only one person was allowed in. So for the news outlet that I was there for, they had a producer go in and I waited outside in the hallway to see if anything happened. And there was rumors that Brittany was going to show up and there were a lot of deputies in the hallway and I was kind of keeping an eye on the hallway and the entrances and trying to, you know, see what I could see out in the hallway. And every once in a while, someone from the courtroom would come out and report something. And if the reporter came out, they couldn't go back in until the break. So it was a long hearing. It went from 1.30 until 3, where they took a break. And then they went back in. 
and didn't get out until about 4.30 or 5. But essentially what happened was the big, the big news of the day was Jamie was suspended as the conservator. Now, what happened was immediately when they started the hearing, Jamie's attorney, Vivian Thoreen, said, there's only one thing here to decide today, and that is let's terminate this conservatorship. That's what everybody wants. That's what Brittany wants. That's what we want. It checks all the boxes. We can be done with it, and we won't have to come back into court. We'll settle all the financial stuff that's still outstanding in private mediation, essentially just kind of taking it out of the public eye, right? And then Matthew Rosengart stood up and goes, no, 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 no. Yes, we agree it should be terminated. But first, the only thing we're here for today is to suspend Jamie. And here's why. He's been abusive. He's been cruel. He's been toxic. And he was really upset about the revelations that came out in the New York Times documentary that dropped just a few days ago about the from the security guy who talked about how allegedly that uh, there had been recording devices put into Britney's room where they overheard conversations of her with her boyfriend, her with her kids and her with her attorney. And also that they were surveilling, you know, her iPhone and monitoring her texts and and correspondence. And Matthew was just outraged by that. And he said that this is not for me to look into. It's for law enforcement to look into, because as you know, California is a two party state, which means you can't record without people knowing what's going on. And the defense, Vivian Thoreen said, well, that's that's not evidence. That's rhetoric, because obviously just somebody talking about this documentary, you can't necessarily say it's evidence yet. And so Matthew went right back and he said, well, I haven't heard a denial yet. Perhaps the court wants to ask Jamie directly if he did that recording. No response by the court or by or by Jamie. So uh, they continued on and it essentially was a battle back and forth. And apparently people in the audience were getting frustrated and rolling their eyes because the attorneys, it was just like they thought whoever spoke last was going to win. So they kept going back and forth. And Matthew was just very full of fire and said, for the benefit of my client's well-being and her mental state, she needs to be able to wake up tomorrow morning knowing that Jamie is no longer her conservator. And the only thing that matters here is her best interests. That's all that matters. And I haven't heard the defense once say those two words, best interest. And all we need here is her testimony, which she gave in the last court hearing. You've heard from Brittany, you know it's in her best interest. And I'm asking the court to to suspend him in her best interest. And so the court said, okay, I'm going to rule. As of now, Jamie Spears is suspended as the conservator due to that being in Britney Spears' best interest. Now, here's the big victory, not only for Britney being able to finally get out of underneath Jamie's control, but as Matthew laid out very clearly, because he's no longer the conservator and somebody else is coming in now on a temporary basis, John Zabel, that new conservator gets to take all of the files from the old conservator, which includes his correspondence with the attorneys, his correspondence with managers, security, all of the correspondence that Jamie has been doing for the last 13 years, they will now be able to see. And Matthew will be able to have access to. And he said in his press conference afterwards, not only do I think that this needs to be investigated because of Jamie's actions, but I believe that through that correspondence, we're going to see other people who need to be investigated as well. 
I'm just cheering. I'm I'm keeping quiet because I want to hear everything that you have to say, but I just want to cheer at each of those points that Matthew Rosengart, he means business. I mean, Boy, does he ever? Does he I'm ever? I'm quite even, right, even, Lonnie. Yeah, even as of last night and this morning, there was a flurry of uh, briefs going back and forth where Jamie said, you know, his, his kind of another last ditch was, well, this, this temporary conservator that they want isn't fit because he's only an accountant. He can't handle a big $60 million estate like this. And he, he had some issue with a real estate business deal he did years ago. And Matthew Rosengart immediately responded and said, he's not qualified. He's an accountant. Jamie Spears is not an accountant. He has no financial training. He is an alleged alcoholic, a, a gambling um, addict. He has a um, domestic violence restraining order against him, and he's declared bankruptcy himself. I mean, he did not hold back anyway. He is just letting loose on Jamie. So, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Declared bankrupt. I mean, he had no business managing her estate, and of course, you know the the documentaries. Well, I imagine that Rosengart did go to town, given those revelations in the New York Times specifically, because I sat there absolutely aghast, hearing 180 hours of audio. Yes, we can say it's alleged, but it is through a primary source, and he has gone on record and that through black box security. I mean, of course, there's an audit trail and so on that must be followed up and hearing that it was in her bedroom, that her attorney-client privilege, which should be sacrosanct, given that Jamie was then able to understand every conversation that she was having with her partner, in the bedroom, with her children. What a violation, if that is proven to be true. And of course, Jamie did deny it in the documentary, um, not when he wasn't asked outright, was he? But it was put to him whether he had done that. And he said no. But of course, that can no doubt be cooperated, right? Well, and essentially what the, her, his attorney responded to any of these allegations was he didn't do anything that was not approved of by Brittany, her attorney or the court. So I didn't hear a denial. I heard him say essentially what I did was approved of by either Brittany Brittany's attorney or the court. So I would love to know, and if I was Matthew, I would be tempted today to ask the court, did you, were you the one that approved that recording? Because I'd love to know, did he just do this on his own? Was he out there doing this on his own or was he acting under the approval of the court? Did the court know that was going on? Right. And I can imagine that the answer would be no, because who would give agreement for that to happen on every aspect of her personal life? Under what grounds? How could that even or ever be right? I think it was an email that Jamie sent saying he did ha didn't have access to emails, calls or voicemails. But my goodness, you know, I hope Rosengart does go after them all, Lonnie, because obviously Jamie's one of them. There was also Edan, who was the head of security for Black Box. And I felt very uncomfortable hearing that a gun was put on the table in a conversation to, to Alex, who, where there was a confrontation. So a threat, but also Lou Taylor and, uh, who else was it? There was somebody else who was very instrumental. Robin Hill from TriStar. Who was on the documentary. And I thought that that one clip they showed of her in the team meeting where they were talking about Britney's schedule. Britney's not there. And they're talking about her 
performing or practicing on her birthday. Do you think that's okay? Of course it is. Of course it is. she'll be working on that day. I mean, I, I, I just the way she acted towards Brittany's name. And it was, it was just so like, I'm in charge of her. Don't you worry. She's, she's under my thumb. I want to tell you about my sponsor factor. Factor makes healthy eating easy and health and fitness starts with good food. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So, what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Fuel up fast with Factors, restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. I've had the chicken parmesan and the turkey chili and zucchini, and they're delicious and I highly recommend them. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Now, they've done the maths, and Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash crimeanalyst50 and use code crimeanalyst50 to get 50% off. That's code crimeanalyst50 at factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash crimeanalyst50 to get 50% off. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Don't you, like a don't child, you wasn't it? Mm-hmm. The way that she spoke mm-hmm. about her. Yes. And yes, I agree with you, Lonnie. I picked up on that when she just turned around and said she'll work on her birthday without any discussion. Like, you know, Brittany was just a child. And it's that infantilization of treating her. Well, children have more rights, quite frankly. Most parents ask a child what they would like or want to do, but you just had this real sense of everything on a micro level and macro level from what we saw in the New York Times uh, documentary where two key people from the inside spoke out and they spoke about their fear as well in speaking out. But her friend who was in charge of wardrobe, who said that she wasn't even allowed sketches trainers or wouldn't, wasn't even allowed sushi and just everything. We heard Brittany, didn't we, in court say everything she tried to ask for was always a no. And here we've got people on the inside breaking their NDAs to say exactly what was going on behind the scenes. And I thought it was very interesting going back to what Brittany said about her being coerced. And she used that word coerced to perform and that if she broke the house rules, you know, these house rules, which to me are very clear, very clear evidence of coercive control. But if she broke the rules, there was a punishment. And oftentimes, as I said, I suspected 
Her punishment would be not being able to see her children because it was the thing that mattered the most to her. And here we heard evidence, didn't we, that it was her children, that she was threatened, that her visitation would be taken away. So literally everything, you know, Brittany has just had no voice at all. And then you see her performing all the time. It just makes me so angry still. So today was just such a victory to hear that. And Matthew Rosengart has boxed very clever on this, hasn't he? Which I would imagine Jamie, well, he's been outsmarted. But I I did feel also on both documentaries, the Hulu, New York Times one and Netflix by Erin Lee Carr, you've got a real sense of how scary and intimidating Jamie is. He's a big guy. And when he turns his temper on you, I can understand why people were fearful because you heard how he talked to members of the media and others. Really nasty piece of work and abusive. People use the word toxic, but I see very clear evidence of of abuse and coercive control as we discussed before. And I think uh, hitting on what you said that his way of coercing her, which was so effective and so heartbreaking, was to threaten her for not having her children. And in the one little story you heard about where she just panicked when she was in a place during a concert where she smelled pot and she was afraid that was going to affect her drug test, which meant she wouldn't be able to see her kids. And she just freaked. And then you find out that you can call it paranoia, but that, you know, doesn't mean it's not true. He's listening to everything that she says. So if she ever does talk about anything, maybe trying to find another lawyer or not liking something and he can react to it because he knows what she's talking about. And she's like, how does he know? How does he know what I'm talking about in my bedroom? You know, to my boyfriend, I thought, you know, and and so that paranoia just grows and grows. And then if she is talking that way, all of a sudden she finds out that her kids aren't coming for the weekend or whatever it is. And, And I found it so heartbreaking that for 13 years, during the years that those boys were growing up, she didn't have, access to them the way she would like. And, you know, she's talking so much about having a baby now. And I thought, of course, it's because she wasn't able to mother her two boys the way she wanted to, the way she just pleaded to be able to be with her sons. And it's like, it's almost too late for them now, right? They're teenagers. So she wants to be able to be a mother. And, and I just, when you, when you get the full picture of all that, it really is heartbreaking that during this time, yeah, it's 13 years. People could say, oh, well, it's been 13. No, those are 13 years when she could have been a mother and that are gone to her forever. She can't get that back. That's never going to come back. Yeah, you don't get those years back. And, you know, having just recently given birth, my heart really does break for her. And that's the danger of having an abuser in charge of every aspect of your life. They know which buttons to push, right? You talked about buttons being pushed, but they understand what matters the most to you to keep you under control. And I just struggle with the fact he has a domestic violence history and he was in charge and coercively controlling every aspect of her life. And like you said, she'll never get those years back. And the more she tried to fight against it, the more crazy she sounds, right? Right, right. How do they know these things of her not understanding that everything's being monitored. And we saw in the Netflix, Erin Lee Carr's documentary, that actually she tried a number of times to get her own lawyer. It wasn't just one time. She actually tried a number of times, but it was deemed that she didn't have capacity to choose. And I want to know who's making those decisions and based on what exactly, because they revealed part of a court document that had the box checked on dementia, 
who was making those decisions? It, there's just so many people, isn't there, Lonnie? It's, I've talked about four key people, but there's those within the legal system too, who just readily accepted a diagnosis, who allowed this hybrid business model, that's how it was described, who allowed that to happen. That really disturbs me of how so many other professionals can green light it and think it's okay without double checking things and verifying. What are your thoughts on that? The documentary also alluded to, they couldn't verify it, obviously, but the one psychiatrist, psychologist, the doctor that testified but wouldn't admit that he was the one who evaluated Brittany, right? But there had to be a medical evaluation to get the conservatorship going into her mental health. And that person was a geriatric psychiatrist, which makes sense that he would do other conservatorships. But it's very interesting, Laura, today while I was waiting in the hallway, there was a, a gentleman there and I started talking to him and he was also had been covering the case here and there. And he is he practices conservatorship law. And so I was kind of asking him, you know, the inside scoop on the legal system around conservatorship cases. And it was the way I had described it before. He said, you know, it's very gentlemanly. It's, you know, it's very sort of genteel. Everyone tends to get along. And, and um, you know, Judge Penny, the judge in this case, is, he treats everyone with respect and everybody sort of gets along. And, and I said, yeah, but that's because you're usually working with someone who is has dementia, who's bedridden, who never comes to court. He goes, that's right. I said, so you guys all just make all the decisions for yourself without ever considering the other person. And he said, that's right. And I said, for example, the time that Brittany was concerned because she thought her dad was drinking and she wanted him to start getting random drug tests because he's overseeing her $60 million estate, right? Anyone with a brain would say, I want to make sure that the person who's overseeing my $60 million is sober. And we actually have this transcript from that court hearing where the, the attorney says, Brittany's concerned her dad's drinking again. She'd like him to get random drug testing. And the judge essentially said, huh, who does she think she is? She has no right to ask that. And I mentioned that to this attorney. I said, is that an appropriate response? He goes, well, look, we're used to dealing with people who have dementia, who are paranoid and, and say that. And of course, we just kind of like, you know, they're acting a little off and, you know, move on. I said, yeah, but that's the problem. You are playing the, in this case, they're playing the old school model of somebody who has dementia and is bedridden is going to essentially pass away under the conservatorship. I said, this is Britney Spears. She is none of those things. She right. doesn't have dementia. She's not old. She's not going to die under the conservatorship, but you didn't change the playbook on this one. And that's not fair to Brittany. So, and, and I think that's really how kind of all the things came together. Everybody kept playing it like it was, you know, a conservatorship where essentially the person dies in the conservatorship. Nobody worries about ending it. Nobody really worries about what the person really wants or needs or their best interest because they assume they already know because they have dementia. We'll just take care of it. And, and that went on for so many years. And I still sort of am taken aback by the fact that just how many short months ago, if Brittany had not spoken out in June publicly, and it didn't happen to be during COVID where the audio was recorded, it was broadcast for right. so many people and that her free Britney people, even before that had not gotten to her to the point where she had confidence to speak out. And she said that she wouldn't have had confidence. She thought people still thought she was crazy when, you know, she'd shaved her head and stuff. And so all of a sudden she thought, no, there's people here that, that feel that I still am worth something and I should speak out. And so she spoke out and then she, the next hearing, she got her attorney and now 
this thing has happened so quickly. Conservatorships don't move that quickly. You know, usually it takes years to get anything done, but now you've got the new attorney, now you've got the conservator off, and now they're talking about terminating the conservatorship. After 13 years, it's all happening within months' time because I think everybody's realizing and the public has, you know, the, the, the curtain has been pulled back and the spotlight's on there and the public is seeing everything and seeing what's really going on. And I think that's why things are changing very quickly for Britney Spears. Yeah, well, that and I would also add into the mix Matthew Rosengart. I mean, oh. what, he's been on the case for less than 70 days and he's done more than what Sam Ingham did in 13 years. And, no doubt. you know, I think that that speaks volumes. And I totally take your point that there's been this groundswell. There's the Free Britney movement. And like you said, with COVID, there was exposure. And I think lots of people then started to pay attention but I also think just with the, what was going on with professionals, I do think far too many were on the gravy train. As we learn, Sam Ingham, well, why was he not going to end it? Why was he not pushing to end it? Well, he was being paid by Jamie Spears. That's massively effed up, basically, that he's meant to be looking out for Britney's interest, but he's being his paymaster is Jamie Spears. Yeah, Therefore, Jamie has to approve. He submits his bill and Jamie's the Jamie one who approves it. it. So if he fights Jamie in any way, does he get his bill paid? I don't know. Three million. I mean, that also needs to be looked into. A court-appointed attorney. Now, when I was interviewing um, Kerry Kasem about her father because her conservatorship was used there, she basically said that conservatorship abuse is quite prevalent, that she's seen it in many, many cases. Now she advocates for older people. And so I started to look into it and she actually signposted me to a doc. Well, it's not a documentary, actually. It's a movie on Netflix called I Care A Lot with yes. Rosamund Pike. Have you seen it? Yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it really just what's happened with Brittany. We know if it happened to her, it can happen to anybody. So it really makes me feel very concerned about the whole process of how so many professionals can be involved, like the judge who just says, Who's she to ask that question? And like what you said, she's Britney Spears. Everybody, even if you didn't like her in music, you know who she was and the fact that she was still performing. How can you say on the one hand, she's got dementia and she hasn't got capacity to hire her own lawyer, but yet she's in Vegas doing these residencies and doing these very complex performances as we've taught before. Common sense would dictate those two things are just not congruent. All these people just had their brains taken out or is it the fact that actually too many are on the gravy train and they're just listening to the wrong people and they're not, they're asleep or they're not fact checking or some of them are just involved in it and therefore it's not in their interests. But it it really just makes me angry that we've got the free Britney movement, but the New York Times framing Britney Spears and their follow up controlling Britney Spears. I actually retitled it coercively controlling Britney Spears. They obviously dropped right before this particular hearing, the 29th today. And they intentionally, there were two documentaries that came out and well, CNN also produced one, but I'm sure that it was about that exposure. So it took journalism as well Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm curious about your thoughts on this because I've heard lots of different people's opinions. So there are some who say, well, dropping these documentaries without Britney's consent, without her blessing is a problem and they don't like it because Britney obviously didn't take part. 
But there's a part of me that, you know, with journalism, the exposés, you have to expose things for what they are. And so I wondered what your view on that was, because Matthew Rosengart did file a new petition based on what he heard about in September 27th, when it was revealed that this audio and monitoring was unauthorised. And he felt, you said... It was your words that he he was obviously fired up about it and quite right too, because it is a criminal offence if it happened. So it's played a very key role. But of course, Brittany couldn't give her blessing. And although she was asked for all the documentaries, I know certainly Erin Lee Carr tried to contact her. But and again, the journalist from the New York Times, but of course, the rule of the conservatorship is don't talk about the conservatorship. You don't know whether she even received those things. Of course, with the hearing, she couldn't speak out anyway, so she couldn't really give her blessing. But journalism is an important factor here, is it not? I think we're seeing more and more how important journalism is in getting justice done. I mean, look at the R. Kelly case. That trial that just happened, those verdicts, I don't think if there had not been that documentary it was called Surviving R. Kelly. That just Surviving finished. R. Kelly. And then there was a follow-up because I did the, the follow-up, the second right. one. It was Dream Hampton, um, yeah. who was key of producing it, directing it. And yes, giving survivors a platform that the whole world woke up. They couldn't ignore black and brown women anymore, which is what had exactly. been going on. And I think that's what happens with this, the journalism on these cases is that law enforcement can take it so far or, or only takes it so far or is not prodded to go further until there's a spotlight on it. And sometimes journalists can get information and witnesses to talk that won't talk to law enforcement. And and those documentaries on R. Kelly were so moving when you heard these victims, these survivors, give their firsthand account, and you could see for yourself the similarities. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Well, the same thing in these documentaries with Brittany. I understand she she doesn't like even, even the first one that everybody loved. She didn't like it because she she talked about, you know, those pictures of me and they made me very uncomfortable. And the same thing with this. And I do think that the, these latest two documentaries were trying to be very careful about not making it salacious as far as, you know, showing a lot of photographs of her her issues back in 2008. They really focused on the conservatorship itself. but. Matthew Rosengart has been on this case for, what, 70 days or whatever. He did not know about any of that stuff with the security going on with the recordings, right? It took those journalists, those documentary makers to get those witnesses on film to be able to get out there. And same thing with the other ones. So I think that um, these documentaries and the journalists perform an amazingly important and critical role nowadays not only are they able to get to information that law enforcement might not be able to, but they also put it out on a platform where more people come forward. And sometimes it just starts the bull rolling in the right direction for the people who want justice. 
So I understand that it's hard and it's difficult, especially for Brittany with her, you know, she has a particular sensitivity to it, but it, it is able to accomplish things that, that um, doesn't happen otherwise without them. Right. And particularly if you're silenced by a court process, but yeah. you know, what I will say, and I know because you've seen both sides of it as well, from working within the system, working with victims, and, you know, we're both very sensitive to victims and survivors and to having their voice center. And there's no substitute for a victim or survivor's own voice. Absolutely. And that's what we heard when Brittany did give her testimony. It was just so powerful, her own words. And I know I just want to go back to that because some people, again, criticised her for how quickly she talked and how much she said. But now hopefully they understand the full context that she's not been listened to, she's not been heard. And this has been going on for 13 years. If you're given the doors open a little bit, you're going to run straight through it, right? But everything she said has checked out. The fact that she wasn't, she hasn't been allowed to even choose to have a hamburger, go on a golf cart, go in her own car, have sushi, have a pair of trainers, told she can't afford things. I mean, she's Britney Spears. I, I just still can't square those things of how she was just treated as a child. And of course, that has repercussions on your mental health. It really does. That clearly makes you feel traumatized, like you don't matter. And you have no control, no autonomy. And coercive control does impact on someone's mental health. But by goodness, you know, I do think the the documentary, certainly the New York Times one, it was very powerful with the new, there was very clear evidence in there that can be used. Um, Erin Lee Carr's offering, she's done four films. I've interviewed her, in fact, for How to Fix a Drug Scandal, but she has a very specific niche around oppressed women and women being oppressed, which is her key area. And I know she would have loved to have spoken to Brittany and she would have handled the interview very well. I didn't think in the in the Netflix one, there was many revelations or, or key information. And, and that's what Erin said. It's so difficult. People are in fear. That tells you everything, doesn't it? That yeah. people yeah. are genuinely in fear for themselves, for their livelihood. And black box is no joke. I mean, black box security and the, the way Alex was spoken to. I mean, people have been genuinely fearful that they won't work again or even the threat to, to their life. And I don't think that we can really underestimate the role that fear has played, even with Brittany, that we heard Felicia Colotta, who just seems lovely, you know, and a genuine friend to Brittany, talk from the heart about how scared, hearing Brittany so scared, you know, and her getting choked up, it's the, all the people that she did have around her who cared were all pushed away from her. And when you've got no one and you've got no means of being able to communicate, well, the Free Britney fans were spot on about the Instagram and they noticed all these nuances. So I go back to applauding the fans who probably know Britney better than anyone in a way because they study her. Um, and I just hope tonight she's celebrating I don't know what that would look like for Brittany, but she recently got engaged as well, didn't she, to Sam. So it seems like good things are coming to her. And I think it's very interesting, the explanation you also gave that Matthew Rosengart is going for suspension specifically. I would imagine he wants his day questioning Jamie Spears. Whether that happens, the, the discovery and being deposed, I would love to have you or Matthew Rosengart or someone 
I would love to do it as well. Question him. <laughs> uh, and, you know, certainly a forensic accountant to go through every aspect of the financial accounting, because really she should be worth, I mean, I know it's 60, but she should be worth tr- double or treble that, shouldn't she? Realistically. Yeah and, yeah. and Matthew also said in court today, he said, as far as the money, he said that Jamie Spears has given himself more money out of Britney's estate than he's allowed Britney to have over the yeah. last 13 years. Oh. Oh, that just makes me, I, I can't remember which documentary it was, but they put up on screen what he took and what Brittany was given, her allowance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just makes your skin crawl. I mean, it, you know, the insidious nature of it, but just how he's been helping himself. And then when you see what each tour has made and what her merchandise has made, the, the figures don't add up. There's money missing. Even if you put her on scale with Rihanna and some of the big stars, she should be up there too. It seems like that's only a third, really, of what she's worth. So what's happened with the rest of the money? And as you and I both know, you follow the money trail and money talks. It it tells you what's been going on. And I really hope that the top to bottom investigation that Matthew Rosengart said, did he say that outside court again? Did he reiterate that... He said the top absolutely. to bottom investigation. He didn't use the word top to bottom. The word he used a lot today was unfathomable. He always has a word. So this time it was like unfathomable when he talked about the lines that Jamie crossed in those recordings and the surveillance of Brittany. He, he kept saying it's unfathomable. Um, but he did reiterate that the invest his investigations into what went on in this conservatorship will continue on. And he's very adamant about that that when the conservatorship terminates, he's, that doesn't end his investigation, that it doesn't end him trying to find out if there was misappropriation of funds, if there was conservatorship abuse, and who was involved. So, Well, I think it's going to be very interesting what happens next, because I think the next hearing, isn't it, about termination is November the 12th. Is that right? That's correct, yeah. And then there's another date in December to talk about fees, which will also be interesting. And I think that's going to go more into Matthew is now objecting to any more money going to uh, Jamie. And he's also objecting to any money going out to anyone right now. He wants to stop the, the gravy train and say, look, everything needs to be checked out. All these law firms that have been just pulling on the money, even, you know, Sam, her old attorney still has a bill that he wants paid. And, and, and Matthew's really responding to me saying, you know, show me the line item the line items for what you're saying this half a million dollars is for. So where did this money really go? What's it really being charged for? So he really is. He is really forcing a very detailed accounting of the money. Quite right too. I mean, the 530000 that was spent on media matters, just all these things that are just so suitably vague that yes, there should be line by line accounting. And that's what I hope the forensic accountants will be working on of what money needs to be recouped. And I think I heard Matthew Rosengart saying that money should be paid back. No more lawyers fees being paid for Jamie and that money that is found that shouldn't have been spent must be paid back to Brittany. So I think that's going to be a very interesting trajectory. I I would imagine a few people were not sleeping so well tonight, Lonnie, don't you think? I, I think I think I'm I agree with you. I mean, I think that they're really seeing how Matthew's not going to go away. There's no quick and easy fix to this. 
And I think there's a lot of people who realize that they have been doing something that was not right for all of these years. So, yeah. And I think it's probably a horrible realization for all the teams that worked on production with Brittany who were told what first rule of the conservatorship is not to talk about it, that in a way they were doing Brittany a favor, not talking about it, where actually you realize probably lots of things have fallen into place over the the last few months that things were very wrong and that Brittany wasn't happy. And that must be, for some people, it's probably a rude awakening of, because I just think the gaslighting has been so severe in this case. Jamie literally closing off everybody around Brittany and having people not be able to talk at all, that level of isolation, but the realisation for people like Alex, who said, I had no choice, I have to talk out. You know, how do you live with yourself when you've been complicit or you've been part of something that actually, for me, looks far more criminal than just toxic and not very nice? There, There really does need to be criminal charges, in my view, in this case, if it's found that those audio recordings or the monitoring, everything that Alex alleged, if that's verified and corroborated. And they're very serious allegations, given the totality of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, you know, it is excellent in a way that all these things have, you called it peeling the layers back, have been exposed. But I would imagine now that once those documents are handed over, which I think you said that that was the last conversation in court was about the practicalities, that I would imagine some real horror stories are going to be exposed. That's, of course, if those documents are handed over and just don't disappear, which I really hope that they do see the light of day. So funny, you and I think exactly the same because... When they took the break, it was so that they could figure out, you know, what date the files would have to be turned over by. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, if it was me, I'd be going right in right now, asking the court to let me go in and grab those files before any of them start to go into the shredder. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, presumably they've they've court ordered those documents to be turned over, right? It's like any kind of deposition that you receive notice that everything must be preserved. Nothing can be destroyed. Yeah. I mean, that's what they, that's what they were talking about in court today. So, Yeah. Well, I think we've been around the block for a, a long time, you see, Lonnie, that we understand these processes. But so they've got 30 to 45 days to hand everything over and we'll see what happens next. So I just want to thank you. Unless there's anything else we haven't discussed that you think is important that we should mention. I just want to say one uh, further thing about the Free Britney people who were there and afterwards talking about how thrilled and happy they were. And it's interesting that we found out, you know, from the documentary that the security people were so concerned about the Free Britney movement that they actually infiltrated them and started following some of them and trying to find out what was going on. I can tell you that when I first heard about the Free Britney movement, and this is before I really got involved in the case, I was kind of like, okay, that all sounds a little bit like out there, you know, the the allegations that they were making and things like that. I think that's everybody's first impressions. But the more I got to know about it, and when I heard Brittany speak, I got to know even more about the movement. And I have to say that, that there are so many people in that movement that have really taken this opportunity to use it as a platform to speak about other cases, like you were saying, not just Brittany's, to push for legislation and protections so that it's not just Brittany who they love and adore, 
but they want other people to be helped and protected as well. And there have been a lot of conservatorship advocates who have been trying to fight for this, who've joined into the movement. And I've seen them greet each other with big hugs. And I'm so glad you're here. And it really um, became a big welcoming group for goodwill and wanting to help people in this area of conservatorships. I'm very impressed by them. Very impressed. Amazing. I'm glad you made mention of that. Because yes, there was a portrayal of, you know, they're slightly out there and kind of obsessive fans, but they've been spot on and they've used it all for, uh, as a power for good. And it's the reason why, as you said, Britney spoke out. And I would imagine that there are many other cases. I mean, I know from talking uh, to Kerry about her father that she has come across just hundreds and hundreds of cases. She's become an advocate for older people specifically who have been isolated and abused. And uh, certainly watching Rosamund Pike in action in I Care A Lot, um, you know, she signposted me to a few things to watch and, and read. It's it's really quite frightening, you know, when you're at your most vulnerable, or even if you're not at your most vulnerable and you're exploited in that way and it's court and state-sanctioned. I think that's the the scary thing that people verify it without doing their due diligence and checking and cooperating and questioning people, particularly the professionals. I mean, Brittany being signed off with dementia. Mm. I, I mean, unfathomable to use Matthew <laughs> Rosengart's word. It's, it's very it comes in very handy, doesn't it? Unfathomable. The puzzling. It's confounding. Um, that he he will want to get to the bottom of it. You want to get to the bottom of it. I do. And of course, all Britney's fans do. And I think Matthew Rosengart's play around, if you care about your daughter, her best interest is for you to step down. And I think that was really poignant, wasn't it? That him mentioning actually the team representing Jamie at no point have talked about Britney's best interests. And that omission speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when he pointed that out today in court, it was, once again, here we are arguing this and they still are not using those words in any of their arguments. They still don't get it. Well, hopefully they get it now. I think tonight the, the conservatorship team have been given a very clear message about what's going to be happening next. And I hope Jamie Spears is feeling very uncomfortable. And I do hope questions are asked of him. So I just want to thank you so much for your time, Lonnie. I really appreciate you jumping on and talking to me on Crime Analyst. And, you know, it goes back to the the things that I always end every Crime Analyst episode with, which is ask questions, be curious, and always trust your instincts. And perhaps if some people had done that in surrounding Britney and people within the court system, then perhaps 13 years wouldn't have been 13 years and it should have stayed a temporary measure. As we talked about last time, it was always meant to be temporary. How the hell did it become permanent? And I hope Matthew Rosengart gets to the bottom of that as well, because that was a question that he wanted answered right at the start a couple of months ago when he took over. So I think Matthew Rosengart's found himself a few more fans, hasn't he? I saw oh, lots of absolutely. people posting pictures of him. Yes, yes. And it was interesting for the for the um press conference afterwards they had he had big bodyguards. I mean the crowds were just happy to see him. It wasn't bad stuff. It was but he did he needed these bodyguards to just right. get him to the throng because he was like the conquering hero. Everyone was cheering him and clapping and yeah. 
He's got hero status for sure. Yeah. Well, wonderful. You've got heroin status in my eyes, Lonnie, but I'm going to let you jump off and, and get some shut eye, get some sleep. But I really thank you for jumping on and we will no doubt speak again as events unfold. So for now, this is Crime Analyst signing out and thank you so much, Lonnie Coombs. Thanks for having me. So what a day for Britney Spears and for Matthew Rosengart and for the Free Britney movement. And here's to the continuation of the right decisions being made that are in Britney Spears' best interests. And thank you so much, Matthew Rosengart, for bringing the focus back to Britney Spears and being her voice and advocate in court. And if you're interested in the documentaries that I mentioned, the first was the follow-up New York Times documentary, the follow-up to Framing Britney Spears, and it's called Controlling Britney Spears, which is now on FX and Hulu. And the second is the Netflix documentary that's directed by Aaron Lee Carr, and it's called Britney versus Spears. So that's it for now, but I hope you'll join me back in the Intelligence Cell next week. And until then... Be curious, ask questions, and always trust your instincts. And here's my final two cents before the episode wraps. The first is a huge thank you to all of you, my lovely listeners and crime analysts, for tuning in every week. The second is an ask. If you like what I do, please take two minutes to leave a five-star review on whichever platform you listen to me on. It really helps others find me and helps with the ratings. So thank you, thank you. Crime Analyst is written, produced and hosted by me, Laura Richards. Sound engineering by Tim Hansen at Half Oga Studios. Cover art and graphics by Chris Raybottom at Syndicate. And music by Kilrude.
You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.